0: Welcome everybody. We're glad you're here. Welcome Facebook. Uh, Glad to have you guys here uh, online. All of our campuses at Homer and New Linux. We're glad to have you. Here's what's funny. We used that uh, bumper thing for the sermon last week and all of our online listeners. I know you're listening online. You're thinking this right now said when they played it in their house their Alexa was going crazy while we were doing this. So that's kind of fun to me. Hey, Google. I'm just going to keep doing that during the sermon. And uh, I mean, think about it. Alexa, order Pastor Tim a Christmas present. I have total control. Alexa, play Highway to Hell. My parents listen online, so, you know, I... I, I, uh, I am glad to have you here. We're doing this playlist thing to kind of just take some songs that you may know, some popular songs, uh, wh- wh- whatever. Some just way to kind of go, you know? Hey, let's make a connection from the Bible to the real world. And I got to be honest; last week was hard for me. And I'm not even talking about the Bears game; that was hard enough. I mean, I mean t- t- preaching from from Kesha, talking about Kesha's song "Praying for Your Enemies" and loving your enemies was was hard because I could feel with you that all of us. Have have enemies and we all have people that we don't necessarily want to love and what we came away from was it is impossible to, for a human being to hate someone and still have joy and, and, and that's that's what we've got to understand and that's what Jesus told us so this week's song is also one of those deeper uh, feeling songs that I mean I, I picked these I, I wanted to do what I wanted to do but we're, we're gonna do scars to your beautiful by Alicia Cara and uh, I mean It's it's about insecurity. It's about the pain of insecurity. And I'm just sitting here all week thinking, I could have done Body Like a Back Road. I know I could have. I could have used Song of Solomon, think about it, and and I could have worked it in. For those of you that don't know country music, Body Like a Back Road is a Sam Hunt song. And when my three-year-old grandson in Nashville first heard it, he thought it was Body Like a Backhoe. (laughs) Which really changes the dynamic of the song. (laughs) Quite a bit. (laughs) Um, Crazy, interesting week. I can't wait for my wife to get home from Africa. She's with our team in Malawi. We are graduating the seventh, eighth, and ninth groups of pastors from all over the country. There's uh, some of the pictures of our team. Denise's sister got to go with her as well. That means almost a thousand pastors around the country. There's three major cities in Malawi. It's in the kind of the middle bottom of Africa. A thousand pastors have now been trained eight month training program by us in purpose driven principles. And you should be proud of that because we know the local church is the hope of the world. And so how we're going to change Malawi is from the church and from helping the pastors. And that's what we're doing. Just one of the things that we're doing, but I need to stay here and do my day job. I I needed to preach. We had Rooted start on Monday night, had a great, I mean, sold out crowd for that. We uh, had our elders meet on uh, Tuesday, talked about our Homer Glen expansion. Those of you at our Homer campus, you know, you see all the good stuff that's going on there so that we can have more room to move around and more kids space because that's a big deal for us. We also talked in our elders meeting about campuses four and five, so keep looking for those. I don't know what they are. I don't know what they look like, but we're uh, we're working towards that because this thing is is, is working really well. And on Wednesday, I, I got the opportunity to go to Oklahoma City and with just a small group of kingdom minded people and hang out with the owner of Hobby Lobby, David Green. 850 stores, they will do $5 billion worth of sales this year, selling glitter and foam balls. <laughs> okay? Right? I mean, the last thing any guy wants to hear is, hey, honey, can we go buy Hobby Lobby? No, we would rather go to Victoria's Secret with you than Hobby Lobby. I'm so thankful they're closed on Sunday. But God is blessing them, and they give half of their profits away right up front to help people find Jesus. They're a Christian-based company. There are a billion. Yeah, they're amazing. Listen to this. They have put one billion, one billion copies of the gospel in homes in China. A billion copies. It's incredible. Museum of, Museum of the Bible in DC is incredible from what I hear. And they put all that together and they're trying to bring things together, help people understand the word of God and, and just to be, see how important it is. And they pulled all the Bible translators together, all the different groups that do it to, uh, together to work, to try to get the Bible in every little dialect that is left. that doesn't have a Bible. I mean, that's just some of the stuff that they do. And it was an incredible just, just to talk about how God is blessing and what they do, but hanging over my head this week is this, you know, I'm going to do this song. I mean, it's a song about trying to understand that you are precious and beautiful no matter what the world thinks. It's amazing. Let's listen. I'm just thinking for those of you online and even everybody here, it just just dawned on me that those two girls singing that song uh, grew up as friends of my girls. And one of the reasons that I, I mean, Kayla and Lizzie singing that song, are both friends of my daughter's, and, and and that's part of the reason why I picked this song, is because I know, I, 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 as a guy, at least I had daughters, and I understand what it's like to grow up in this world and try to have the world's standards imposed on you. Alicia Cara was a teenager when she started feeling so insecure uh, about herself that she kept doing different things to her hair to try try to make it be different, and it started falling out. I mean, she, she was trying to be beautiful so much that then her hair started falling out, and, and of course that just made it worse. So th- this song came from her working through that experience. Then I picked these songs because I know that there's a lot of pain, and we would like to just gloss over it, and we would just like to live in our own little fake worlds on social media and let everybody think everything's going okay on the outside, but it's getting darker and darker on the inside. It was Mental Health Suicide Prevention Day this week, you know? I mean, we all understand this. We all, we've all been touched by somebody who has got either on the outside or on the inside is dealing and wrestling with this insecurity. Here are the first lines of the song again. She just wants to be beautiful. She goes unnoticed. She knows no limits. She craves attention. She praises an image. She prays to be sculpted by the sculptor. That's what we're going to talk about. Oh, she don't see the light that's shining. Deeper than eyes can find it. Maybe we have made her blind, so she tries to cover up her pain and cut her woes away because cover girls don't cry after their face is made. The problem is that we, we all feel inferior and superior, right? It's just human nature. We want to compare. Pastor Todd's is going to be in next week doing a classic rock song on relationships. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're just going to have to guess all week. Um, and, and part of that reason is because I'm going to go back to my kind of hometown. I mean, nobody's lived there for a long time, but, but I graduated. My hometown is Enid, Oklahoma. Okay. Town of about fifty thousand in northern Oklahoma. My dad started this church. It's their fortieth anniversary. My dad started this church, and uh, they asked me to come back and do their fortieth anniversary. They ordained me into ministry in 1983, and, and I'm just I'm, I'm telling you this because I'm I'm going back to Enid. I haven't I haven't been back for almost 20 years. I, it's not there's nobody there anymore. But as I processed growing up in a small town, and some of you understand that fifty thousand people, three junior highs. We had a caste system in Enid, Oklahoma. It just kind of blows my mind. You know, I I went to Long, and I, 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 I went there in eighth grade, which is a hard time to transition into a new place. My dad took this church, and we went there in eighth grade. So there was Longfellow Junior High. That's where I went. But all the, this is the caste system, all the rich kids went to Waller Junior High. That was over on the other side of town. That was the rich Junior High. But then there was a lower socioeconomic area that was Emerson Junior High. And we didn't, you know, you don't really know that when you're there, but when you all go to the same high school then you get there and you know, there's all, those are the Waller kids, oh, those are the Emerson kids. And I'm, I'm processing it this week and I'm thinking, we lived in Enid, Oklahoma how do you look down on anybody if you i mean cuz the people in Oklahoma City are going to look down on you and the people in St. Louis are going to look down on the people in Oklahoma City and the people in Chicago are going to look down on the people in St. Louis and the people in New York are going to look down on the people in Chicago cuz they look down on everybody can i get an amen because that's what happens I mean, it's, it's so ridiculous that we have this thing. We're like, I, I want, I'm better than you, but I'm not as good as you. It doesn't make any sense, but that's the world we live in, that there's a hope that's waiting for you in the dark. You should know you're beautiful just the way you are. And you shouldn't have to change a thing. The world can change its heart. No scars if you're beautiful. No scars. You're beautiful. We're stars, and we're beautiful. So to all the girls that's hurting, let me be your mirror. Help you see a little bit clearer, the light that shines within. There's a hope that's waiting for you in the dark. You should know you're beautiful just the way you are. Like I said, three daughters growing up. And I walked this journey with all of them. And and honestly, from worldly beauty standards, they're all very good-looking girls because I married a beautiful woman, and pretty much the only trait they got from me was my skinny legs. And that works out okay for a girl. So, you know, it worked out, right? It's not great for me, but that's why God made pants. That's all I'm going to say. Even so, even so, as, you know, from worldly standards being beautiful, they have all suffered, um, they suffer from depression and anxiety issues. But my, uh, my dad's family has it. My dad and both of his sisters have depression issues. I have no memory of my, mo- my grandmother, my dad's mom. I have no memory of her in anything but a bathrobe in the house. I have no memory of us ever. They lived in Albuquerque. We'd go visit them. And, and she, she, I mean, I, I didn't know it at the time. But, you know, she, and they didn't, they didn't get it. They didn't get depression. They didn't get the serotonin thing. They didn't get all that stuff. And, and, and she suffered. And my girls still have it. And they wanted me to tell you, if you're not feeling good on the inside, if you're depressed, if you've got self-esteem issues or whatever it is, go get some help. And if you battle with depression, my girls who believe with all their heart that Jesus can heal them took medication to get better. Because sometimes you need to do that. So don't hesitate to do that. It doesn't matter how you look on the outside, and it doesn't matter whether you're male or female, we are all scarred and we all need help and we are all masking insecurity. And as I was processing it this week, I mean, just thinking about the difference from my, my daughters, my oldest daughter's 31, from the, from the time from their, their generation to where we are now, it, it's just getting worse, and I, I, I say it this way. We live with the highest level of insecurity in human history. I know this to be true because we carry a reminder of how unworthy and unbeautiful we are in our back pocket. Every time we get a a moment to stop and check in on social media, what do we see? All the beautiful people showing us all their beautiful things. Because nobody puts all their crap on here. That's not what they do. We want to make it look good. And Alicia wrote this song to help women understand that they're beautiful no matter what. And what's cool about her is when she did this song at the VMAs and whenever she performs this song, she does it without any makeup. If she's in the middle of a set and she's going to do this song, there's, a, there's something else going on so that she can remove her makeup because she, she wants to live that. She wants them to know they're beautiful just the way you are. And here's the problem, gang. Um, if you are in a religious system where you think, Um, God doesn't think you're beautiful also, which is pretty much every religion other than Christianity, and a lot of people think that that's how God feels about them even within Christianity. I can't imagine what it's like to feel insecure about yourself. And feel insecure about you know all the things that you see everybody else and think that you're not worthy to the rest of the world, and then go to your church or go to your synagogue or your temple or whatever it is, and, and think that you're not good enough for God either. I can't. No wonder there's so much pain. I need to tell you something. I don't know if you're going to believe me or not. I, I I really don't know. But this is what you need to grab a hold of. God is your biggest. He's your biggest fan. He's not mad at you, he's not upset with you, he's your father in heaven, and he's your biggest fan. However many friends you have on Facebook, however many followers you have on Instagram, it doesn't matter. I want you to add one to that number. When you tell your you know everybody else, I have 238 friends, no, you have 239. Because God is one of your friends. His account doesn't show up, okay? He's kind of a stalker, but it's a good way. He is your biggest fan. And let me show you what I'm talking about. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's not about you. It's a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. That's a verse that you should commit to memory. There's no way I would ever want to believe in a God who, who, who would only allow me to have a relationship with him if I was good enough. I would never want to believe in a God who, who thought that I could possibly make myself whole enough to get close to him. I'm not good enough for karma. You, if you want to be Buddhist or Hindu or whatever and believe that all the good stuff is what's going to come back to you and all the bad stuff is going to come back to you and maybe you can you know, have enough lifetimes where you can make up for that, I'm done. I'm not good enough for karma. I'm going to make a bumper sticker that says, Jesus, I'm not good enough for karma. Look at the rest of this verse, though. This is what we, this is what we skip. I mean, that, that verse is just awesome, right? But then he goes on and he says, for, okay, gift of God, can't boast, you're saved by grace. For we are God's masterpiece. We are God's Masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece. Say that word with me. Masterpiece. Look at your neighbor and say, you are God's masterpiece. Don't make it a pickup line. Just... just. Now turn the other way and say, you're God's masterpiece too. I'm sorry I looked at them first. (laughs) Why did you do that? You are God's masterpiece. You are the perfect work of God through Christ Jesus. God created me this way with these bird legs, with thinning hair and crow's feet. Maybe that's the masterpiece wearing out, but whatever. I'm still a masterpiece. I'm a masterpiece, baby. Can you say that? Say, I'm a masterpiece, baby. (laughs) I don't know why you got to add the baby. I don't know. I just, you got to. You got the right one, baby. I'm a masterpiece, baby. He has created you anew in Christ Jesus. Why? This is what's so important. So you can do the good things he, he planned for you to do long ago. If you're just thinking, oh, I'm, I'm not worth anything, I'm just a crummy little person, you're never going to go do the things that God wants you to do. You won't feel like doing any of that if you don't understand that you are a masterpiece, that he's your number one fan. One conversation I have with people all the time is how they don't think that their mission, I talk about mission a lot, their mission is just as important as mine is. Had this conversation with David Green. Owns Hobby Lobby. He told us this week, hey, you know, I, my, my parents were, pat my mom, my dad was a pastor. My siblings all, you know, went into full-time pastoral ministry. And he said, I just wanted to run a business. And, and I, I, for a long time, I didn't feel like what I did for a living would measure up. But but he did it for the glory of God, and he gave the company to God. And 850 stores later, I can assure you that he has done more for God selling glitter and foam balls than I ever will be as a pastor of a church. Because you got to embrace the masterpiece and go do what God specifically told you to go do and what he has in store for you. You created my inmost being, the psalmist said. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This is a big verse for talking about when life begins, and, and I believe it begins in conception. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. You're good, okay? I'm, I'm believing that. I know that full well, and if you made me, then I must be a masterpiece. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Now, some of you might say, well, yeah, you know, that, you know, that feels good, but I still hate my nose. Or I wish I could sing, or I'm not talented enough, or whatever. Here, Craig Groeschel wrote it this way. I think it's great. Craig said, what you might hear if you go to counseling is this. Well, you just need better self-esteem just need better self-esteem. What I want to tell you, Craig said, is this. You don't need self-esteem, you need Christ-esteem. You need to recognize who you are because of Christ. You don't need self-esteem, just feeling good about yourself, because it's in Christ that we understand how valuable we are. We are worthy of the life of Christ. He loved us so much that he said, this is what you are worth. When we recognize who he says we are, and when we start to believe it, then we have Christ's esteem. And our worth is not based on what someone says about us. And our worth is not based on the standard that the world sets. And our worth is not based on what someone did to us. Our worth is not based on even how we feel about us. Our worth is based on who Christ says we are. Our worth is intrinsic because we are a masterpiece. If I, if I took out this $20 bill, and said, well, I just will, I did. I took out a $20 bill. How many people would like to have $20? Raise your hand, okay, you want a $20 bill? Well, wait a minute, what if I wad it up? You still want this $20 bill? Yeah. What if I throw it on the ground and I step on it and I rub all that stuff all over it? You still want the $20 bill? Yeah, you do. What if I pour, do you like my product placement? What if I pour coffee? all over this $20 bill? Do you still want it? What if I tear it? Do you still want it? Don't worry, I can, I can take a tax donation and throw it in the offering. It's still fine. You, you still want it, right? Why? Because it's $20, it doesn't matter what I do to it, I can tape it back up, I can take it somewhere, I can take it to the bank and replace it if I needed to, it's still worth $20. It doesn't matter what scars this bill has, it is still worth $20, and I want you to understand that it doesn't matter what's happened to you, you are still worth $20, you are still a masterpiece, and nobody can ever take that away from you. That's what Alicia is trying to tell us. You don't have to change a thing, the world could change its heart. No scars to your beautiful, we're stars and we're beautiful. No better you than the you that you are. I wanted to use a a passage of scripture to teach through this, and I just couldn't pick one. You know, I wanted to pick a story of Jesus and I couldn't pick one, because almost all of Jesus' recorded reactions are with scarred people. Let me just give you a couple of quick examples. There's a woman in Samaria. They're going, he's in Samaria, which is like a different place. They don't get along anyway. It's noon. She's alone at noon. What, what does that tell us? Sometimes you have to understand culture. She, she, she's supposed to be there in the early evening when all the other women go. Because that's when they would come and gather around the well and they would all talk and they would, they would hang out together. And She's supposed to be there then, but she's not there. She's there at noon, which is the worst time of day, the hottest time of day to be out at the well getting your water. And she's alone. Why is she alone? Why is she outcast? Well, all we know is she's been married five times. And what that probably means, if you, if you figure out everything along the way, it probably means that she was infertile, that she couldn't have children. One way or another, she couldn't divorce a husband. It's not her fault. They didn't even have laws to allow her to do it. She's been dumped five times and living with another guy right now. She's she's a torn up $20 bill, man. At at noon, in a terrible place all by herself. Enter Jesus, a Jew who's not supposed to you know, even be talking to a Samaritan anyway. And, and, and the text says, the woman was surprised. In John 4, it says, the woman was surprised. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Okay, two things, two reasons you're not supposed to talk to me. How can you ask me for a drink? For, the Bible even says, like, in case you don't know this later, Jews do not associate with Samaritans. But I love that she was surprised. What I'd love for you... To understand what I'd love for you to have happen with you and Jesus is, I would love for you to be surprised by the acceptance of Jesus. Here's one thing I discovered while working on my next book: what we can tell from Scripture is that she is the first person that Jesus tells his true identity to, and Jesus told her, "I am the Messiah." She's, I mean, maybe he told the disciples, probably he did. Obviously, that's who he was. And maybe everybody kind of was assuming that he was thinking he was the Messiah. But the first recorded time he ever tells somebody his true identity is to this woman, this, this torn-up $20 bill woman at a well. Because she's a masterpiece. Or we could talk about the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, he was most likely a prostitute and they brought her in and they threw her at the feet of Jesus and they said hey Jesus what should we do with this woman they were trying to trap him and when they questioned him he straightened up he said if any one of you is without sin let him be the first to throw a stone at her and again he stooped down and wrote on the ground which was a diversion and they all left Because they realized they had no business judging someone else. I'm sure they went home and trashed her on Facebook because that's what you would do. But at least they left the premises, right? And after they left, there's another one of the most beautiful verses I'd never really noticed in the Bible before. And it says, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. This torn-up $20 bill of a woman, it's just her and Jesus. Woman at the well, it's just her and Jesus because the disciples have gone off somewhere else. And what I wish for you, what I pray for you, is that at some point in your life, you could just be alone with Jesus, just surprised and alone with Jesus. Nobody else judging you, nobody else looking down on you, just you and Jesus. And Jesus saying, hey, you're a masterpiece, baby. I died for you because I believe you're a masterpiece. Wouldn't that kind of blow your whole mind? Wouldn't that change your whole identity? Wouldn't it make you feel a lot differently about your torn up $20 bill? Jesus straightened up and asked her, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Well, then neither do I. Jesus declared, now go and leave your life of sin. Go live your masterpiece. How about a guy? I mean, this is, it's not like guys aren't insecure. Jesus was going through the city of Jericho. A man was there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector. And that's bad. He's a crook. Everybody hates him. He was wealthy. Different kind of discrimination that goes on for the wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but he was too short to see above the crowd. So he ran ahead to the place where Jesus would come, and he climbed a sycamore tree so he could see him right? He's a crook, everybody knows it. He, he's height-challenged, right? Call me elf one more time, okay? <laughs> he's, got, he's got no self-esteem left. All We know this because he cared so little about himself and about what people thought that he ran and he climbed a tree. Those are two things that an adult male would never do in this culture. You don't see it happen very often around here. They're the two things that you would never do. Because remember, he's not wearing athletic shorts. He's not wearing pants. He's in one of those long robe thingies. Have you ever tried to run in one of those long robe thingies? And then he climbed a tree. I don't even want to put a picture in your mind (laughs) of what that had to look like. As, he, as he's climbing this tree, right? And people are like, oh, oh, oh there's, there's Zacchaeus up in that tree. And they're rolling their eyes at him. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down. I must stay at your house today. And all the people are like, what? Jesus knows Zacchaeus? Of course he does. He created his inmost being, and he knit him together in his mother's womb, and he thinks he's a masterpiece. I mean, I could just go on and on about all the interactions that Jesus had with people who had low self-esteem. Almost the entire group of people who followed Jesus had low self-esteem. Do you understand that? So if you have come to this point in your life and you're like, does he really care about me? Does he really believe I'm a masterpiece? I've got to tell you, God is your biggest fan. And Jesus proved it by taking on his own scars. As we prepare for communion at all of our campuses, and let me just explain to you how it works. There's two cups, one inside the other one, and... um, the tray will come by. Just grab them and hold them for a moment. We, we'll, we'll commune together. The bread represents the body of Christ, and, and the juice represents the blood of Christ. And we're going to do communion together. You don't have to be from Parkview. If you're a believer, we welcome you. And Here's what Louis Giglio put on Instagram this week, and it kind of transitioned my mind on this one. The enemy wants to define you by your scars, but Jesus wants you to be defined by his. The enemy wants to define you by your scars, but Jesus wants you to be defined by his. He was pierced for our transgressions, the Bible tells us. He, Jesus, was crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. I read a story about, from South Florida about a little boy who was swimming in the lake behind his house one day, and his mom looked up and saw an alligator was coming towards him and you know she's watching what's going on she sees the little boy as he's just tearing off down swimming through this little pond this little lake and she sees the alligator and so she runs out of the house and she starts yelling and screaming for him to come back in and he hears his mom he doesn't know what's going on but he turns around and he comes back towards the dock and he got right back at the dock at exactly the same time the alligator grabbed him by his legs and tried to pull him under. But the mom was able to grab a hold of him at the same time and hold on. And, and she held on for dear life. And obviously, it was a big tug of war. And obviously, the alligator was stronger. But you don't mess with mama. And she hung on. A farmer happened to drive by, heard the screams, grabbed his gun, came out, shot the alligator, and the boy lived. And remarkably, after weeks in the hospital, the boy survived and had no long term injuries. His legs were extremely scarred by the vicious attack of the alligator, but the report I read said so were his arms. There were deep scars in his arms where his mother's fingernails dug into his flesh to hang on to the son that she loved. And a reporter went and visited the family after this all happened, and he asked the boy if he could see the scars, and the boy lifted his pant legs, it's obvious pride. And then he said, but look at my arms. I have great scars on my arms too. I have them because my mom wouldn't let go. We all have scars. Maybe they show, maybe they don't. Maybe you can hide them. The enemy wants to, he wants you to, to be judged. He wants you to live by those scars, but you have a heavenly father who wouldn't let go of you. He dug in. The only difference for us is that our scars are on Jesus. Our scars were paid for by Jesus. They're still there. They'll be there for eternity, but he paid the price. The enemy wants to define you by your scars. Jesus wants you to be defined by his, and he thinks you're a masterpiece. Let's pray. Father, I, I, I don't understand how you could be so powerful <clears throat> and all-knowing and all-seeing <laughs> and still think that I'm worth it. But I know that you do, because otherwise the Jesus story just doesn't make any sense. You wouldn't have sent your only son to die on a cross that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life if you didn't think I was worth it. And Jesus, I know you wouldn't have gone through what you went through for me if you didn't think I was a masterpiece. So for the Zacchaeus and the adulterous woman and the woman at the well and every other story that we can think of in this room listening to me, even online right now. Lord, will you help them understand that there is nothing they've done, they've, there's there's no place they've been, there is no possible way they could ever do or say or be anything that causes you to think they are anything less than a star. And and that they're beautiful. That they're a masterpiece. And you proved it with this communion that we're about to take. Be with us. Let us walk out of here. Let let us leave this day understanding that we're defined by your scars, not ours. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen.